Super Talk Mississippi media production. Well, free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. This is the Eagle Hour with Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. Hey, good afternoon, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Santer, and Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg today. It's the Tuesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us around the state, wherever you're listening. We appreciate you tuning in. First segment of the show today, sponsored by Dickie's Barbecue Pit, a proud supporter of all things Southern Miss. Dickie's uh, cooks fresh smoked meat every day in their restaurants across the state. They cater any event, large or small. You can always just sit back, relax, and let Dickie's do the cooking. They're big supporters of Southern Miss. Uh, Dickie's is loved around the state of Mississippi, and we thank them for their support. All right, Kelly and I have lots to talk about today. A little later in the show, we're going to be talking about some baseball issues. Also, want to uh, touch base with basketball, another big game for basketball tomorrow afternoon. But we want to start the show off today with one of the great success stories at Southern Miss these days, and that is the remarkable performance of the track and field program. And uh, we have two of the men largely responsible responsible for that in the First Bank Studios with us today. Head coach John Stewart is uh, making a return appearance on the Eagle Hour. And for the first time ever, the newly named South Regional Assistant Track Coach of the Year, Coach John Ellis. And Coach, welcome to the Eagle Hour. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about uh, tell us a little bit about this award that you just won. Uh, what your reaction was uh, when you were told that you were the Assistant Coach of the Year. Um, well, I was definitely uh, excited and really honored to be, you know, recognized that way. Um, but the award is pretty much is just uh, there. There are a few different regions in, in track and field, and um, there are uh, different coaches that are nominated each year for you know the the group that they've had um, at the conference meet and national qualifiers. And um, I was fortunate enough to be nominated uh, with uh, you know nine or ten other coaches, and um, just was excited just to have my name on the on the ballot. And you know, my head coach John Stewart told me that I. One, we were actually hosting a high school meet, and so I was, you know, busy running around working. And uh, he came up and told me that I won. I was, I was really, really excited. So, what are some of the things that that the nominating committee, as it were, looks at when they nominate assistant coaches of the year? Um, I think they just look at the, the strength of of that coach's uh, squad throughout the entire year. You know, the consistency their athletes have shown. Um, you know, points that they've scored at the conference meet, conference champions, um, where that where their athletes rank nationally, and Obviously, the big one is uh, national qualifiers. You're part of a, a real resurgence in the track and field program, and uh, we've had Coach Stewart on a lot because we follow the track program very closely. I think Kelly will agree. It, it's really one of the bright spots right now uh, at Southern Miss. What do you attribute the success to, Coach? Honestly, the direction of our head coach, John Stewart, is, has been great. And, you know, when we all got here, um, you know uh, – all the success, it's not its not a surprise to us. You know, that's been what we've wanted to do since the, the first day we got on campus. Um, and it's really started just from, you know, our staff meetings, talking about what athletes we need to bring in. You know, what what are we looking for each year? What what small improvements can we make, you know, so that in, in a few years we can be the team that we are right now? But you, when you look at your, your roster, too, not only do you have a roster of guys 
that are local. You have some regional guys, the Mobile, you know, area. Mm-hmm. But you've also got international, right? You know, so where do you find particularly the international athletes, and how do you begin that line of communication as to bringing them to Hattiesburg? Yeah, um, well, they're, they're track and field. It's it's a very popular sport. It's done all over the world, and so it's it's pretty easy to hop online and just find some results. Um, you know, obviously, we, we we start with we like to recruit our own state and see what what's going on here. Um, in, in our region here, but um, a lot of times we, if we're looking for a superstar, you know, we might have to go outside of, uh, you know, the, the borders of, of our country. Um, and so we've, we've gone internationally, you know, just uh, finding them online, you know, finding them through social media and, and telling them about our program. And, you know, fortunately, we're, we've been getting a lot better. And so our, our program is, has become a lot more attractive to a lot of athletes. And that's how all sports, Bob, I think have evolved because when you and I were around, obviously there was no such thing as social media. Right. You know, so that's all been been implemented now. Right. You know, that's it's, changed it's, the complexion of everything, though, really had it in sports. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yeah. So I guess it's an advantage, though, if, if you're recruiting kids that otherwise you're going to have no way of, of seeing them perform. You Definitely. Know, each year, the president kind of makes a state of the union address. What, what would you say is the state of high school? track and field programs across the state of Mississippi. Do we do pretty well at coaching kids in track and field at the high school level? You know, be honest. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, in our experience, it's the biggest thing is going out and, and looking at the talent. You know, you can, you can get online and look at numbers and it might not tell the whole story. You know, so all the athletes that we have from the state of Mississippi, we've all had to go out uh, to those meets and watch them compete and see what they do, see what their bodies look like, see how they interact with their coaches and, and the rest of their team and, and kind of make a a much better judgment that way. Um, we've had a lot of success with athletes from Mississippi. Um, we've just had to go out there and, and get in front of them and talk to them. Now, the international kids, how, how do you how do you initiate a conversation with a kid living in another country about moving to South Mississippi? Right. Well, a lot of them are looking to to go to a university oh, okay. and get a degree. And and we have we're very fortunate in in the United States. We've got a great collegiate track and field system um, where most other countries don't have that and so for them to come over here and have a a facility to train and and get all the gear and and all that stuff and um you know be able to go compete with a team each week and progress and still be able to you know go back and represent their country at at you know world championships and olympic games um we've got a great system to do that so a, a lot of kids are very familiar with with coming to america um to join a team and are are actually looking forward to doing that it, it does does the language ever become too big of a barrier or do most international athletes speak some english a lot of times it is a huge barrier you might find the perfect the perfect athlete and you know their level of english just might not be good enough to make it you never want to bring a kid here that that won't be successful um you know in the classroom so uh they're right. they're right. that that sometimes is a is a an issue but you know, we've been fortunate with the athletes that we have. It's it's been fine. So we're talking to the South Regional Assistant Track and Field Coach of the Year, John Ellis, Assistant Head Coach uh, here with the Southern Miss Track and Field Team. All right, Coach. Now I want you to look at my friend Kelly. If you were recruiting Kelly today, where do you see him fitting in on the track team? You know, I think I'm going to pass him off to um, our head coach and <laughs> see if he can do something. He's, he's turned a lot of a lot yeah, of athletes into something. into something great. So. I think I would just pass it off to, to John Stewart. It would, have to, have it to would be, be Coach Stewart's biggest challenge <laughs> in his career, wouldn't you think, Coach? 
Well, I think he's, uh, you know, he's got the makings of a good distance runner right now. I mean, uh, at least he needs to do some distance running, at least right now. I know that. But distance to me, Coach, is 50 yards. You know, Hey, right now I take whatever distance you can move that far. Tell tell us about your qualifiers now headed to Birmingham this weekend. UAB is serving as the host, although it will not be on campus at UAB. But really cool that four of your athletes are going to get to compete at Nationals. Yeah, Coach Ellis, he's he's really uh, got a stellar group that's going for he's got three of the athletes he got Caleb Parker in the 60 meter hurdles he has EJ Richards in the high jump and he has John Warren who's one of the most uh, decorated athletes we've had in recent memory he's uh, in the triple jump and then McKinley West is running the 100 and 200 meters there yeah he's the uh, fastest guy yeah he's the team, he's, right? he's the he's the fastest guy we've had at this school in you know in decades so mm-hmm. uh, you know really proud of this whole group though they they've they've done some uh, some stellar Stellar accomplishments this year, and they're you know they're pretty elite level. All right, now this is indoor track. We're this is all indoors, now. indoors. And then right after that, you start outdoor. Am I yeah, correct? The, the very next week, we head off to our first outdoor track meet. So, so how what, how big is there? Say you're looking at a at a hundred meter race, indoor outdoor. Is it the same thing? Is it is it different? They're they're all similar indoors. You know the the, the big sprint race is sixty meters, right. so you can only get fit sixty meters. I got you. within a track. So you know you. outdoors you go to hundred meters. Right. Uh, the biggest difference is you know we we throw in some long throws like you can't throw the javelin or the discus or the hammer indoors. So you mm-hmm. throw those long throws into the the mix, and and that's where we excel at those too. That's where we score a few more points outdoors. That'd be so cool, though, throwing the javelin indoors, you know. Yeah. Have the director say, hey, see the guy up there in the red T-shirt? See if you can hit him with the javelin. Yeah, we had a kid on the show not too long ago, last week, I think, that was a former javelin thrower here that uh, I think held the school record, if I'm not mistaken, for a long time. Kyle Smith? That's it. Yeah, yeah Kyle, was he was, a, uh, he was a superstar for us back yeah. uh, a few years ago, and, and he was the school record holder. He, he had a cannon. He really did. Yeah. He indicated to us, too, it was interesting that you you don't throw a javelin with your arm. He said you'd throw your shoulder out. That you throw the javelin with your hips and your legs. Is that right? Yeah, it's all it's it's a lot of a lot of hips, a lot of legs. Um, you know, some of the better javelin throwers have big time squat and clean marks. You know, from the weight room, so they. Uh, uh, definitely the legs, legs and back play a big, big part of that. Uh, I think we're going to hit a break here in a minute. We're going to hold you over for just a minute because I want to kind of get into a little bit of, of how you begin to prepare now for these nationals and then how you make the transition after that into the outdoor season. All right. Great. We're talking to head coach uh, John Stewart and assistant coach uh, John Ellis. Uh, track and field is the subject today on the Eagle Hour. We'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to the Eagle Hour, everybody. Bob Getty, Kelly Center, Michael Mergens from the First Bank Studio in Hattiesburg today. 
Luke Johnson with the day off. This segment sponsored as it is every day by Campus Bookmart, campusbookmart.net. If you're listening in other parts of Mississippi and you want to pick out some Southern Miss swag for a Golden Eagle uh, in your life, the place to go is campusbookmart.net. If you're in town, of course, you can visit them on Hardy Street, and I'm sure, Kelly, they have some good track and field stuff there. They have uh, clothing for every sport at Southern Miss. And a lot of different sizes, too, so guys like me don't get left out in the cold. That's right. That's exactly right. All right, we're talking to the two men that are running the uh, successful, highly successful track and field program uh, at Southern Miss. Coach Stewart, uh, of course, is the head coach. Coach, I want to ask you, you're, you're just a couple of days away from the indoor national championships. Uh let our listeners know, what, what do you do to prepare these four kids that you're taking uh, to compete with the best athletes in the country? Well, really, right now, the, the, the hay is in the barn, so to speak. So we're just trying to maintain uh, our fitness levels, try to make sure our kids are sharp without doing too much work. Because the, the more rested and the more, uh, uh, you know, the better they feel at this point, then mm-hmm. the, the better they're going to compete on mm-hmm. Saturday. So we're just trying not to do too, too much just trying to keep them all sharp and just be ready to go when it's time to when the gun goes off we want them ready to fire how much of it for these kids is mental when they get there and realize i'm competing in the national i think i think a big part of it is mental you know they go and they see all the different schools and all the different uniforms that they haven't seen before it's just a it's just a more uh regimented environment like you have to be over here 15 minutes before your race you got to be over here five minutes before you get in the box you have to do this you have to do that and I think that's a little bit different from some of the low-key track meets that we go to. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the biggest difference, really. Do a lot of these athletes know each other from years past? Oh, yeah. They, they know each other. And our, our kids, they, they've seen, you know, part of our strategies, we've gone to some of the best meets in the country. So, we, you know, we're not, there's nobody out there that's going to scare us to death. We've seen all the best that in the, this country has. So they're ready to, they're ready to compete against them. Mm-hmm. Exciting time for them, though, right? Oh yeah, obviously. Yeah, this is it. they're they're really yeah. excited. They're they're fired up about going to this the national meet. We haven't had a lot of men at the national championships mm-hmm. in, indoors in recent memory. So uh, this is kind of a you know uncharted waters for our program right now. But at the same time, you know our kids are fired up. They're ready to go. They, I don't know. Since you got here, it's becoming pretty customary that we're sending kids to the national meet. Well, I, I hope so. It's getting tougher to do it every year, but we're, we're gonna. Yeah, we're we're gonna certainly try. It's got to be kind of a drag as an athlete. Those are, hey, you made you made nationals great. Where are nationals? Birmingham. Three <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a half yeah. hour drive. We, we have had to deal with a little bit of that, but 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 still, they're ready for the competition. All right. So unlike a lot of sports, this is not going to be the finale. I mean, you go from the indoor nationals, and you said the very next week you're in outdoor track and field. Yeah, and the, the great thing about this is if they have a bad national meet for, for whatever reason, if things don't go their way, you know, you get a do-over. You get a second chance. we got the outdoor season coming up right behind it. So that's kind of the great thing about this. In distance running, uh, it, it seems like the Africans, Kenyans, Ethiopians always seem to dominate the, the long distances. Is there a particular reason why they tend to be more adept at the longer distances in particular? You know, you can talk to a sports sociologist and they'll tell you something different and the uh, physiologist, physiologist will tell you another reason. But really, they live at 8,000 feet in Kenya. And to tell you the truth, it's not like it's 80 degrees. It's 50 degrees up there. So they're, they're used to a little bit colder weather, a little bit higher altitude where there's a little oxygen. So when they come to the States and they're a little lower uh, altitude, oxygen-rich environment they usually run really fast and a lot of them just have body types that are 
you know, promote hmm. uh, good distance running. A natural advantage. That is really interesting. Yeah, that's though, a natural it? advantage, though, right? It's a natural advantage. I mean, much less the fact that, you know, they, they, they run five or six or seven miles to school in the morning and run back in the evening, things like that. So there's social aspects. There's physical aspects. There's, you know, aspects of where they live. There's just so many things that go into that. But the altitude thing, though, you, you mentioned some athletes will, some of our American athletes will will train in higher altitudes because of that. Yeah, the best distance runners, they'll, you know, they'll move to uh, Mammoth Lakes, California, or they'll move to Colorado Springs where they're living at seven, 8,000 feet, and that's where they train. Um, and then they come down to sea level and, and they'll, uh, uh, you know, have oxygen in their in their lungs, and they'll feel good, feel great, and be able to run. So that's mm. kind of the strategy now. All right, Coach Ellis, you told us during the break you were from this the state of of uh, Oregon, correct? Yes, sir. All right. So how does a how does a young man like you make it from Oregon to Hattiesburg and become the assistant coach of the year? Um, I think just being in the right place at the right time. I, I've made a lot of uh, moves. So I graduated high school in, in Portland, Oregon. Um, I went to college at Azusa Pacific University in Los Angeles. From there, I went to grad school at Western Illinois, where I was a graduate assistant the, coach. The Leathernecks? The Leathernecks, yeah. Not many people know that. Um, so I began my coaching career there, and after being a graduate assistant, um, just trying to get into into coaching, um, reached out to uh, former head coach Wayne Norton at the University of Georgia about joining there and, and volunteering and just helping out where I could, and you know, hopefully being in the right place at the right time and making a connection and bring, uh, bring, being brought on in full-time coaching and um, at the time, John Stewart was the assistant sprint coach over there. And when he took the head coach job at Southern Miss, brought me over with him. So just a lot of a lot of different turns. Azusa Pacific, Bob, what former NFL Kansas City chief running back? Your brain is so full of useless trivia. It's just unbelievable. Didn't, was it Christian Okoye? Christian Okoye, yes. Is that right? Yeah. That's Went the, to Azusa Pacific. Right. That's he was a, the something nightmare. Nigerian. Nigerian, Nigerian nightmare. Yeah. That's right. But that name, Azusa Pacific, you're going to remember that name. You know, so, Coach, I guess you're a you're a, a Seattle Seahawks fan? You know, most people from Portland are, are right. Seahawks fans. Well, will you tell Kelly what it's like to pull for a winner? He's a famous <laughs> fan. I won't, I won't rub it in. <laughs> Why? Everybody else does. <laughs> Why shouldn't you? you know? All right, your expectations for the national meet uh, later this week. Um, I think we've all got pretty high expectations. We've got a great group of guys, and, and they're really, really motivated, and they've worked so hard. And so, um, you know, we, we expect and we, we anticipate going and just competing to the best of our abilities. And, you know, we, our coaching staff, we believe in the, the abilities of our athletes. And so I think we'll go and be, be very pleased with what we get done. Can you over-anticipate? I'm saying can you get so hyped that you kind of lose focus? I think you definitely can. Yeah, if, you, if you're going in and – and really worried about you know how how the the arena is going to feel and and all this stuff and kind of forget the the small technical things that we've got to work on in our execution of our events and I think we can be a little distracted. Now I want you to talk a little bit about that comment, how the arena will feel. Yeah, yeah. What, what what does what does that mean? I mean, this being a national meet, you know that it we we look in the stands and you might not see our the rest of our entire team there. You know, uh, at our conference meet we just left a few weeks ago, we had our whole team there cheering and and it's it's going to feel a little different you know the the crowd might be cheering for you know if there's a, a hometown athlete in the in the field or um you know it just might be a bunch of strangers you know it, the, we're not looking up in the crowd and seeing a bunch of familiar faces so it it, it might have a, a small small little effect on us now coach coach stewart's not going to say this but i want you to put in perspective for our listeners what he's done for the southern miss track program since he's come here yeah i'm glad you said that he definitely does not like to brag on himself but I will gladly do it. Um, I mean, it, it's definitely started with just 
his vision of taking over a program and and you know I think even before he took over as as head coach he's always wanted to be a head coach and and always knew that he could be a successful one um, and I think just um, keeping all of us assistant coaches motivated and making sure that we're doing the right things and recruiting the right people um, it's been very very easy to to progress as a team and it just feels very very natural we're not doing anything that we're not prepared for or um, you know that we're, we haven't been reminded of every single day so I think just just the the constant motivation and, and encouragement to just to be a small a tiny bit better each day each season you know let's let's make a move in the right direction um it's been it's been a, a great journey but full disclosure he's also running from the irs isn't he i mean <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all right to, to a certain extent that's a joke probably, ought to, probably I, i'll I, let him comment yeah, on i'm kidding I'm, I'm kidding about that <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> he's on to me. See, he's on to me. Uh, what, what, what would lead you, though, Coach, to – because obviously UGA, one of the major schools across this country, right. you know, to come to a, a smaller venue, which we're, obviously we're glad you did, but, but what would attract – what would the opportunity at Southern Miss, what was attractive to them? Well, no, nobody else would hire me. You know, Southern Miss is the only one to take a chance on me. Oh, the back taxes I just, again. I'm just, I don't, I don't interview very well or something. I don't know what it was, but uh, no, no, I, it's something that I had always. I was a head coach back in you know 1998, 99 at Louisiana Monroe, and I went to my alma mater as an assistant, and I had always had the, you know, the urge and had the itch to go back to being a head coach. I'd always wanted that, and I had, you know, I had. Uh, uh, you know, interviewed for about seven or eight years, different schools, just nothing, nothing really worked out as far as, you know, what would be good for my family, mm-hmm. good for my wife and, and, you know, and, and good for my career. So, you know, but Southern Miss was just an opportunity that I, you know, we took that and, uh, you know, we ran and, and next thing you know, uh, we've been pretty successful. Well, we want you to stay here. Uh, it's really the Track and field, I don't, I don't mind saying this to their face, it's, it's one of the bright spots right now in the athletic program. There's, there's no question about that. You've done a remarkable job. And, and I want to ask you, Coach, when we get to the outdoor season, how do you watch? This is going to sound like a really stupid question, but, well, we went into break, but I want to know, maybe we can keep him for one more second. But I want to find out, how do you watch? How does a regular casual fan watch an outdoor meet? Because there's a lot of things going on at once. It's like going to the circus. It's like going to the circuit. You know, our meets last all day long, and it's a problem that track and field has. We're trying to put the package together in about a three-hour window. You just can't do it. I mean, and that's that's a problem with the popularity of track and field. It's just all day long. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much, and best of luck to you this weekend. We're proud of you, and we appreciate you being on our show. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Coach uh, John Ellis and John Stewart of Southern Miss Track heads to the National Indoor Meet in Birmingham, Alabama. We'll be right back. Tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And our thanks to track coaches John Stewart and John Ellis. Great conversation, I thought, Kelly. Interesting son. Very informative, you know. Two really fine coaches. And uh, best of luck to the track and field team and the NCAA indoor 
region, uh, championships that are coming up here this weekend. This segment sponsored by 4th Street Bar and Grill. We had the pleasure of being down there uh, last Friday. Uh, thanks to them again. Great place. Biggest collection of Southern Miss um, historical stuff, merchandise, or whatever you want to call it, that I've ever seen. And, Kelly, the food was good. We ate good, didn't we? Oh, boy. And how. <laughs> but you guys got on to me because I eat one thing at a time. Yeah. Did you notice that, Michael? Yeah, I do that, depending on what it is. Yeah. And we talked about that. I will do the same thing. I ate all I my french fries first. Yeah. Then I went on to the next item. And then, you know. And usually I'm the opposite. And I had the burger and fries. I was eating both because I was running out of time. But sometimes yeah. I'll eat the burger first and huh. then save the fries for last. I also noticed Kelly ate every morsel on the plate. Yeah. Well, and after I was done with mine, I, what was left of Michael's and what was left of Luke's. And, you know. There were like three fries left on my plate. I wanted to finish them. I even told that to Luke. So I want to finish these, but I got to go. I got to go. I got to yeah. I can't, waste I can't not, do it. Can't waste not. I felt not. bad. By yeah. Yeah. That was good. So uh, we appreciate 4th Street Bar Grill. If you're going to Southern Miss Baseball or any athletic event, that's a great place to stop before the game. But look, if you just want to have a good lunch or a good dinner, uh, it's just a great place. 4th Street Bar and Grill. All right, Kelly, uh, we talked yesterday to a head baseball coach Scott Berry and, and we were talking about the problem that they're having related to weather you know you had a team fly in from the west coast last week and uh, you were with me on Friday mm-hmm. afternoon the sun's out the weather's great they're unable to play because of wet conditions the field was marginal Saturday it was very very wet and then early Sunday uh, Eagles off to a good start uh, and uh, and the rain started, and that just washed everything out. Coach Barry yesterday really expressed a strong desire uh, to, to find the funding, uh, for the university to find the funding to put artificial turf on the field. And uh, he made a lot of coaching points, but one of the things he said, and he's right, you know, in the long run, you save so much money on maintenance and then you don't lose revenue like you lose. There's there's a good chance of rain this weekend, right, yeah. Michael? Actually, severe weather, too. So here's a team coming in from Massachusetts, and the chances are they're not going to get to play on schedule. You get around a lot to baseball. Your thoughts of artificial turf on baseball fields? I can I can relate it to the high school game in Summerall, in the, in the local area here. Summerall has a turfed infield. Now, the outfield is natural grass. And they did get to play this weekend, right? You know, because because of that turf. So there you go. Right. You can certain, and of course, the initial investment. It is a lot up front, all right. But over time, the point that Coach Barry makes, I think, is valid and has been proven. You know, by um, by schools who have implemented it. But it's also one thing. You know, I'd like to drive a certain car, but I can't afford it. You know, so I think it's a great idea. Now the question would be. Who in the Southern Miss Nation can rally around this cause and maybe earmark money specifically for that? What would the numbers be? What type of cooperative effort could the university with the private sector come up with? Um, Some creative thinking needs to be implemented here now. Right. We're going to, in the next couple of days, we're going to post some contact information on our Facebook page, the Eagle Hour Facebook page. And we're encouraging Eagle Hour listeners, if you're a baseball fan and you'd like to see this, we encourage you to contact the school officials and express your, you know, your concern about things like Friday night when the team can't play. Express your concern about, uh, you know, the baseball team not having this that the coaching staff really feels would benefit the program. And in the long run, 
save money, perhaps even make money. And if you have to eat the elephant a few bites at a time, that's fine. So, right. so if you have to start with just, just turfing the infield, as Summerall has done, that has already proven to be worth the and effort. Look what on the field that doesn't dry out fast enough and just replace those right. spots. Because in South Mississippi, it doesn't matter where you build a field or what right. you do, drainage is an issue. So frustrating this past weekend, though. You had a really high-caliber team coming in from the West Coast. Exciting to see a, a West Coast team here playing baseball, a regional team. These guys come all the way over here. They're sitting in their hotel they walk outside Friday afternoon, the sun's shining, and they can't play. Although this has been, we'll all agree, this has been an extraordinary spring. Yeah. Right. I mean, we've right. gotten a ton of rain. I know some of the youth baseball coaches in Peddle and Oak Grove and Hattiesburg, I mean, their, their first game is supposed to be the 20th of March. They have yet to be able to practice once with their little 8-year-old teams or 10-year-old teams right. because the fields have been so wet. And that's how it is at our house. We've lived there 10 years, and this is the first year where there's a bunch of spots that will just not dry. I was out walking with the dogs last week, walking in the usual spot. My foot went down six inches. Right. That's never happened All before. Right, we're going to post that contact information uh, by tomorrow on the Eagle Hour Facebook page. And, you know, we'd encourage you to reach out and, and do it, obviously, in a respectful way. But uh, reach out to university officials if you feel the same way. And let's all get together and see if we can't encourage uh, the people at USM uh, to do what Kelly said, to come up with some creative thinking and let's figure out a solution to this problem and get it resolved. Radiothon. Public and private, you know, the sectors come together. There has to right. be an answer. Eagle Hour Radiothon. Well, that's a possibility. I mean, you know, we're open to any possibility, and we, we want to be a part of the solution. Speaking of that, the, the baseball game schedule for tonight pushed back till tomorrow night because the fields are still wet from the weekend. And I, did, I didn't know that we were supposed to get that much rain last night. No. Uh, we weren't. It was I, like a 20% chance when I did the forecast yesterday, and, and all got, of a sudden, it is pouring. Yeah, we got soaked. Right. And it's not looking good this weekend, is no, it? No, and like I said, severe weather this weekend. What Alabama saw this Sunday, we possibly could see that here. Well, I hope not. That's just a terrible, terrible yeah. situation in Alabama. All right, so we'll uh, we'll have more about that later. Let's switch gears. Let's talk a little basketball, Kelly. You and I are big fans of uh, Doc Sadler, 17-11 and 11 on the year. Tough task uh, tomorrow night uh, on the road uh, against arguably the best team in Conference USA. Old Dominion is the and, – and in this pod play where they were in that top pod, I mean, the best thing that comes out of this is that the Eagles cannot be any worse – than what a five seed or something in the conference tournament, which means they get a buy in the first round. Um, but in order to go to the big dance, the NCAA tournament, they're going to have to win. They're going to have to win the tournament, which they're certainly capable of doing it, particularly on a you know quote unquote neutral floor. Um, so you know they they could do that. But you know you're talking to Eagle basketball fans, they're going, and this is this is going to kind of be lengthy, but I'll try to give you the Reader's Digest version. Would it have been better to have been in the second pod? You know, to finish sixth or whatever there, so that um, you would play teams that are weaker than you. You'd play seven, eight, you know, and nine, seven, eight, nine, and ten or whatever in that pod. Then you would fatten up your win loss record. You know, instead of having 17 wins, you might be sitting there with 20. And if you happen to win one game in the Conference USA tournament, then there's 21. So that you, it would improve your position as far as the secondary tournaments go. Right. The NIT and the, and the CBI, you know, and, and some of those, you know, tournaments. Which was my next question for you. They're 17 and 11. 
let's assume they end the season with 19 or 20 wins. Does that get them in one of those postseason tournaments? I think it would. I think it would. Of course, it depends on where, where everybody else. 20 most certainly would. And that's what I'm saying. If they would have finished sixth and beaten those teams under them in the standings, it would have fattened up that win-loss record. You know, now it's realistic. If you just go on the odds – Statistically, they're going to lose to Old Dominion. They should beat Texas San Antonio this weekend, which is uh, senior day, by the way, Saturday, to send the seniors out on a good note. So if that's the case, then they would finish 18-12 and 12 during the regular season, which to get to the 20-win mark, which is usually the litmus test, mm-hmm. all right, you'd have to win two in the conference tournament. And remember, you get a bye in the first round. So that, that would be really borderline. So with the pod play, they played two games in the past two weeks, and now they'll play three what, in four, one week. Three in one week, right? Saturday, Wednesday, that sounds very Saturday. To me, <laughs> Not at all. I, I don't understand why why the layoff. You know, and it and it killed their momentum. Yeah, it killed their. I momentum. mean, no doubt. We'll say that. it killed the momentum well, because it it's convenient. You know, I mean, they were I hot. Think it did. Yeah, and they were red hot, and then ten days off. You know, I think it did. So Saturday would be a really important time for fans to come out and support this basketball team if they haven't up to this point you know it's a chance with the seniors who and this senior class and i know this is going to sound has been through a lot and and have stuck it out it'd be real easy particularly in this day and age of entitlement you know for guys well i'm not staying here i'm going to go you know i'm going to go well they haven't they stuck it out they honored their commitment and yeah it would be really cool if people would uh, come that's a very good point and uh and it puts a smile on your face to see them finish like this. I mean, you know, they've, they've had a pretty good year. And uh, they still have some opportunity to make it a really great send-off for these kids. And for them, for the senior class in particular, I really hope that they are able – if they don't make, make the big dance, I hope they do get an NIT or a CBI invitation Yeah, just as a, you know, as a – Thank you for, for what they've done. A couple of weeks ago, Kelly, uh, Coach Sadler came over and visited with a bunch of us sitting at the baseball game. And I asked him, uh, this was before the pod play started, and I said, you got to be really happy with the way your team's playing. His comment was, I'm really happy for the seniors. They've been through a lot. So come out Saturday and uh, and thank these kids. And for I think that's a 2 were. o'clock start, Bob, on Saturday. I think that's correct, yeah. <clears throat> And if, and if baseball does indeed get rained out, there you go. there's no other there's dance in town. To go. Yeah. There you go. All right, when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about the NFL Combines and should you be watching, and if so, why, on the Eagle Hour. To the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. <laughs> Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Fourth segment sponsored by Carter's Jewelry and Pedal on Evelyn Gandy Boulevard, home of the SMTTT Jewelry. A great inventory of beautiful diamonds, rubies, necklaces, watches, everything you would anticipate at a great jewelry store. You can visit them online, of course, or see them right now. At, uh, on Evelyn Gandy Boulevard, we thank Carter's Jewelry for their support of the Eagle Hour. 
Kelly Sander. We have way too much fun oh, in the breaks, man, don't we? Tell, especially when yeah. you're here. <laughs> All right, uh, guys. Uh, NFL combines are underway. Oddly enough, my daughter's been texting me right and left about guys that she's watched and uh, her team needs to sign. You watch that, Kelly? Should football fans be concerned about the combine? I don't, I don't think they should necessarily be concerned about the combine. Although, again, in this 24-hour news cycle, you have to fill it with something. The NFL Network has to put something on there. Mm-hmm. And it is kind of, it is kind of intriguing. Uh, I think too much emphasis is put on it. But, but man, if you have a, a good performance, it can certainly up your stock. And if something happens where you have a bad performance, it can lower your stock. Of course, you're talking, you know, $100,000 here or there. But to those guys, you know, it, it means a lot of money but but to put all your eggs in one basket i know the the, the bengals my team a couple of years ago took john ross who ran the 425 you know whatever 40 yard dash or whatever it was and he's turned out to be okay but you know was he worth a was he worth the eighth pick in the whole draft you know i don't know but because he wowed everybody with that speed and that's just it it's isolated performance let's look at what they did on the field when they were actually playing in that situation that's what i want to know guys coming after you too right (laughs) you know it's a lot different you and i've talked michael we both enjoy watching the nfl draft do you watch the combines no i'm for just that reason I don't really either. No, I, I watch. I watch the combine. I think. I think it's pretty. Pretty cool. You know, and it's these guys living their dreams. And know? then again, you have kids like Edo Smith don't get invited to the combine, yeah. and they find a home with the. He finds a home with the Atlanta Falcons, and he's going to do well. He's going to do well in Atlanta. Yeah, you know, I know that that uh, people have asked about going to watch the NFL draft in person. It's in Nashville this year. Yeah, and actually, the tickets are free. Mm-hmm. You don't have to pay anything to. to mm-hmm. But it's done on a first come first serve basis, so you might have to camp out a couple of days to get. Mm-hmm. You know, the good tickets. But I think it's cool in this day and age where the NFL is all about money that they let that let the fans have that to their own. You know, why is it so fascinating? I know a lot of guys that watch the NFL draft. I mean, I watch it every day and I've I never watched it for because I thought it would be boring. Why don't I want to watch these guys getting phone calls and jumping on stage, putting their hat on until my wife was watching it? I started to watch it, and I, it, it, yeah, I don't know. Great. I can't explain it's it. Cool. It's just, you know, deer in the headlights through the whole thing. That you can't first look away. Night, that first night, man, that's must-see TV. Yeah, yeah but we still, it's because you're a Redskin fan, and I'm a Bengal fan. We wait in prayerful hope that yeah. this is going to be the year. Yeah. that. Yeah. But even get, then, it, how many drafts have there been where that star player did fantastic in college? It just doesn't translate in lot, the NFL really. and on the field. It happens a lot. So it? I don't get my hopes up, but still, it's exciting. Yeah, it's fun, and I think it's fun to watch these young kids. You know, their dreams have just come true. You know, and all their nobody gets in the NFL that hasn't worked really hard to get there. So I think that's part of it. Mm. Seeing those young men rewarded for their long term efforts, and they've been able to avoid injury. Most of these guys, yeah, you know, yeah. which it's they're just getting bigger and, and faster. For many, and stronger. it is an opportunity to take care of their family. Yeah. You know, it is really for a lot of these kids. I think it. Is it fair to say that a lot of these young men that are drafted in the NFL were were likely raised by their mothers and their grandmothers? Fair to say? I don't know. I'm sure. I'm sure there's data out there. Yeah, I'm sure there's yeah. data, but it but it gives these young men an opportunity to give back to their family, and I think that's part of uh, why it's rewarding to watch the comp uh, the draft. And you know, we when you when you look at Southern Miss in particular, you know, a mid major school. 
you know, obviously the big schools, the you know, that are always the Alabamas of the world are always going to have a lot of guys drafted. But proportionally, Southern Miss has done a really good, good job of getting their guys into the NFL. That's good. And not just get them into the NFL. Play. And play well, you know. You know, there was a time, and I don't, I don't know that it exists anymore, uh, the landscape of college football changed, but there was a time that Jackson State University was an NFL-producing machine. They put a lot of players in the NFL. Including yeah. the great Walter Payton. Right. Yeah. Yesterday was 3-4 Walter Payton Day. So how do they celebrate that? And uh, I didn't realize that. So 3-4 is Walter Payton Day every year. March 4th. Yeah. Is that right? And it's a big day. And they pay tribute to the great Walter yep, Payton. Showing clips, wearing jerseys, mm-hmm. everything. Needless to say, you have a Walter Payton jersey. Yes. Yes, okay. That's well, actually the only Bear jersey I have is Walter Payton. See, Bob, between him, you know, so he's living the glory days of the Bears back in the 80s, the uh, 70s of the Redskins, never with the Bengals. Uh, soon. Just keep buying those jerseys yeah. every year, one of those one of those years. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. And and hopefully, maybe before we check out, you know. Yeah, hopefully, but I don't know, Kelly. I, I pretty much reside myself to being excited the first month, and then reality begins to creep in the back door and – and then, and then to slide away. And here bit. come those words again. Wait, just wait till next year. Yeah, just wait, <laughs> wait till, till next, next year. year. Uh, yeah. So anyway, the NFL draft, uh, we're all agreeing, is uh, fun to watch. Uh, combines, you do watch them a little bit. I do. I do watch them a little bit, yeah. The draft this year is April 27th, 28th, and 29th, I believe, in Nashville. For anybody that uh, might want to you know, make that trek, it's not but about a six-hour drive up to Nashville. Uh, I think it'd be – it's kind of one of my bucket list things. I think it'd be kind of cool yeah. to go to the draft. Road trip, Eagle Hour Live from – now, now, there's an idea. NFL.com, more information, but the tickets again go. to the draft are free. All right, that wraps it up today. We'll be back tomorrow at 1. Until then, everybody, Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. into the future. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.